Well, good morning, FaithBridge. It's great to be back with you for a second week in a row. I hope that all is well uh, as we are getting into the Christmas season. I want to start just by sharing with you that when I got my driver's license when I was 16, I had a Class A restriction placed on my license, which simply means that I have to wear corrective lenses when I drive. I would imagine that some of you had that same restriction on your license. Now, the background is that I have an astigmatism in my right eye, which just basically means that I see blurry out of my right eye, but my left eye sees perfectly fine. And so early on, I realized that if I didn't want to wear glasses, my left eye could just basically do all the heavy lifting. My right eye could just follow along and uh, I felt like I could see pretty well. So when I turned 16 and I got that class A restriction on my license, I took that more as a suggestion than an actual requirement because by eighth grade, I had given up on the idea of wearing glasses or any type of corrective lenses. So when I started driving, uh, I decided I was going to drive without my glasses because I was convinced I just didn't need them. And uh, over the first couple years of driving without glasses, I developed such a confidence in my ability to drive without corrective lenses that when my driver's license came up for renewal um, and I had to go to the Department of Public Safety to renew it, I didn't even take my glasses with me because my intention was to get the people at the DPS to remove the restriction from my license because I didn't want it on there because I didn't need it. And so I got up to the counter and the lady asked me to take an eye test. And so you've probably experienced this before, but you basically, you put your head up to a machine and there's an eye chart in there and you read a line of letters. And so she asked me to do that. I put my face up to the machine without my glasses and I proceeded to read the line that she asked me to read. And I just want to be clear, I crushed reading that line. Like I read every single letter correctly. And as I was reading it, I, I, I'm not exaggerating. Like I found myself welling up with pride at just how well I was reading the eye chart without my glasses. And when I pulled my head away from the machine, I, I honestly, I expected for the worker behind the counter at the Department of Public Safety to like congratulate me and affirm me for doing such a good job of reading the eye chart. Well, when I pulled my head away from the machine and I looked at the worker, instead of looking amazed, she looked unsatisfied and disappointed. And what she told me was this, she said, you didn't finish, you, you didn't read the third column of letters. And I started thinking, I was like, I didn't read a third column of letters because there wasn't a third column of letters. Like I'm, I was just thinking back, like I, there was a first and second column, but there was no third column. She said, you didn't finish. You didn't read the third column. The third column was on the right side and it's my right eye that has the astigmatism in it. And so what I did was I decided to look back in the machine at the eye chart and this time I took my left eye, which is my good eye, and I put it where my right eye normally goes. And guess what I saw? I saw column three. Anyone want to go for a drive for me after, go with, for a drive with me after the service today? Because I'm giving free rides. But I, 
I looked in the machine and there was something that I hadn't seen before. And the reason that I tell you that is because I, I want us to begin to believe that with Jesus Christ, there is always a column three. There is always more to see of Jesus. Like it doesn't matter how much of Jesus you feel like you've seen. It doesn't matter how long you've been following him or how much you love him. I need you to understand that Jesus Christ is always more than we know him to be. And so I just wanted to step into your living room this morning and be the worker behind the spiritual DPS counter to just tell you, hey, you're not done. There is still more. There is a column three to Jesus, the width of eternity, and it is packed full of his beauty and his majesty and his goodness and his greatness and his glory. Do not settle for less when Jesus Christ is always more. And so right here, as we are preparing our hearts for Christmas, I just want to invite us in to see Jesus. And I want you to see Jesus as more. And as we realize that Jesus is always more than we know him to be, my hope and prayer is for each of us that we would leave today just saying, Jesus, if you're always more, then I want to know you more. And I want to love you more than anything. The good news is that some of you this morning, you are going to see Jesus clearly for the first time ever in your life. And you're going to begin a relationship with him. And then for others of you, this morning is just going to kind of tweak your spiritual prescription. And it's going to allow you to see Jesus in a more clear way. And so let's do that together. If you have a Bible, turn with me this morning to Revelation chapter 1. Revelation chapter 1 is where we're going to be today. If you remember last week, we we're in the book of Revelation as we finished up the series that revolved around missions. We're looking back into the, we're looking back into the book of Revelation. And I, I love this book because um, this book, so many people think that this book exists to conceal from us. But revelation is the word apocalypsis, which means unveiling. The book of Revelation is meant to reveal. It is the revelation of Jesus Christ. And so what that means is that this book actually shows us Jesus in a way that no other book in the Bible does. And Revelation is written by John. And here is the thing about John. John was intimately acquainted with Jesus. He was the disciple whom Jesus loved. He reclined on Jesus' bosom at the Last Supper. Jesus entrusted John with his mother when Jesus was going to be crucified. John was in the inner circle of Peter, James, and John, and yet right here in Revelation chapter 1, John is going to find column 3 of Jesus. And as he finds column 3 of Jesus, we're going to find column 3 of Jesus. As John sees Jesus more clearly, we are going to see Jesus more clearly. So look with me. Revelation chapter 1, let me read you verses 9 through 18, and let's get 
a vision of Jesus. Remember, the book of Revelation, it's a bunch of visions that John has. And here's the vision that he has. It says this, verse 9. I, John, your brother and partner in the tribulation and the kingdom and the patient endurance that are in Jesus was on the island called Patmos on account of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus. I was in the spirit on the Lord's day and I heard behind me a loud voice like a trumpet saying, write what you see in a book and send it to the seven churches, to Ephesus and to Smyrna and to Pergamum, to Thyatira, to Sardis, to Philadelphia and to Laodicea. Then I turned to see the voice that was speaking to me, and on turning I saw seven golden lampstands. And in the midst of the lampstands, one like a son of man. This is Jesus. He's saying, watch what he sees. One like a son of man, clothed with a long robe and with a golden sash around his chest. The hairs of his head were white, like white wool, like snow. His eyes were like a flame of fire. His feet were like burnished bronze, refined in a furnace. And his voice was like the roar of many waters. In his right hand, he held seven stars. From his mouth came a sharp two-edged sword. And his face was like the sun, shining in full strength. When I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead. But he laid his right hand on me, saying, Fear not, I am the first and the last and the living one. I died, and behold, I am alive forevermore, and I have the keys of death in Hades. The title of this talk is simply, Jesus is More. And this passage shows us that three ways that Jesus is always more. And I want to make sure you get these three things today. First, I need you to know that Jesus is is more satisfying than anything. Jesus is more satisfying than anything. No one and no thing is more beautiful, more captivating, and more worthy of admiration and delight than Jesus. And we see that in the description of Jesus. John sees Jesus and he tells us what he's wearing and what he looks like. And all these things are symbolic. They're telling us about Uh, what Jesus is like. And so let me just roll back through and, and tell you what the symbolism is. So it talks about Jesus wearing a long robe and, and a golden sash. These were articles of clothing that priests for the nation of Israel would wear. So this is going back to Old Testament imagery. A priest was responsible for making atonement for these sins of the nation of Israel. So once a year, a high priest would go into the Holy of Holies. He would take um, the, the blood of an animal and sprinkle it on the altar to do what? To atone for the sins of Israel. Jesus Christ is our high priest. Instead of slaughtering an animal and uh, shedding the blood of an animal, Jesus' blood was shed for you and for me. Instead of sacrificing a goat, it was his own life that was sacrificed. He went to the cross. That's what he was doing. When Jesus Christ went to the cross, he was offering himself as a sacrifice to do what? To atone for our sins. The difference between Jesus and the priests of the nation of Israel was that the priests of Israel had to atone for the sins of Israel once a year. But Jesus Christ went to the cross and atoned for the sins of the world once 
and for all. Jesus Christ died, was buried, rose from the dead, appeared to people for a 40-day period, and then ascended into heaven. And when he ascended into heaven, he sat down at the right hand of the Father. The reason that Jesus Christ sat down was because his priestly work was finished. That's why on the cross, Jesus declared, it is finished because he has made a way for you and for me to be made right with a perfect God because he has dealt with all of our sins for all time. And we experience that peace with God solely through faith in the priestly work of Jesus Christ. It goes on and it says that the hairs of his head were white, like white wool, like snow. Some of you guys uh, are relating to Jesus more than ever. Like you are most like Jesus because of your white hair, maybe. But this is actually, it's talking about Jesus's wisdom in his omniscience that he is all knowing. It says that his eyes were like a flame of fire. This is speaking of Jesus Jesus is penetrating insight in discernment. It means that nothing is hidden from his sight. Jesus Christ sees all the way down to the motives that reside in our hearts. He sees below the surface of every man and woman. It says that his feet were like burnished bronze. In the ancient world, um, shoes worn by soldiers were incredibly important. If a soldier didn't have the right shoes, his feet could become bloody and blistered in a war, and it could actually impact the battle. Jesus's bronzed feet are able to crush his enemies. This is referring to Jesus as a conquering and victorious king, that his burnished bronze feet, they are what have crushed his enemies. It says his voice was like the roar of many waters. Just think about the power of a, of a great waterfall and you hear the, the roar of the, the waters crashing against the surface. And it's basically talking about Jesus, his, his kingly voice, that he is our king and his voice thunders with power and majesty and sovereignty. This is that, that's what this is speaking to. This is speaking to Jesus' power, majesty, and sovereignty. It says that in his right hand, he held seven stars. Whatever the seven stars are, Jesus is able to control and protect them. It says that from his mouth came a sharp two-edged sword. This refers to his words, which are able to penetrate and judge those who oppose him. It says that his face shone like the sun. I love this because think about when you were a kid. Did you ever have a staring contest with the sun where you look at the sun and you, you try and not blink and, and tears fill your eyes? Why? Because you, you're incapable of staring at the sun for an extended period of time. What this is saying is Jesus' face shone like the, it shined like the sun, which means that Jesus is more captivating than you can even stand. Like you are incapable of comprehending and beholding the vastness of Jesus's beauty and majesty. Now, 
My first point is that Jesus is more satisfying than anything. How do all of these qualities of Jesus speak to his satisfying, his ability to satisfy us? Well, I just want to ask you this question. What is your soul truly hungry for right now? That's a good question for you to answer. Like, what is your soul truly hungry for right now? If you're honest, many of you are hungry for peace and stability. I mean, we've been in the midst of a season that many of us have felt stressed out, overwhelmed, and out of control. What we're hungry for is for peace and stability. This year has been marked by a lot of stress. And you know what stress is? It's just a warning signal from your soul that you're looking inward for the solution instead of upward. We've been made to look upward. So here's what this means. You know where your satisfaction is found? It is found in the white hair of Jesus Christ because he is omniscient. He knows all things. He knows exactly what you need and he knows exactly how he will satisfy your needs. It might not look how you want it to look, but your satisfaction is found in the white hairs of Jesus and in the right hand of Jesus. Jesus is able to control all things and keep you safe. Jesus Christ is in control of your life. Whatever that looks like, you need to know that's where your satisfaction is found. Some of you are hungry for worth. If you were honest, you operate with this constant voice of condemnation in your mind that's consistently telling you that you're just not enough and you need to work harder to measure up. It's this, this voice that's constantly rattling around in your head saying, you're not pretty enough, you're not captivating enough, you're not funny enough, you're not skinny enough, you are not high capacity enough, you're not smart enough, you're not wealthy enough, you are not engaging enough. You are not strategic enough. So we live in this constant rat race of, of, of trying to perform and never feeling like we truly measure up. You know where your satisfaction will be found? It'll be found in the voice of Jesus, which is the roar, which roars like rushing waters that you allow his voice to roar in your life and drown out the voice of condemnation because Jesus is speaking into your life, saying you don't have to be enough because I've made you enough for God. Do you know that the God of the universe, if you know Jesus Christ, then Jesus Christ, when he went to the cross, he, he didn't just take your sin. He gave you his righteousness. And so now when God the Father sees you, he sees the righteousness of his Son. Which means you're enough now for the God of the universe. Will you allow that to be enough for you? That's where your satisfaction is found. And maybe you're hungry for, maybe you're hungry for meaning. Like if you're honest, what you're doing right now is you're just going through a religious ritual. Like you're watching right now to just make yourself feel better about you. But I just need you to know, you know where your satisfaction is going to be found? It's going to be found in a real relationship, not religious ritual, but real relationship with Jesus Christ. See, you need to understand that your satisfaction, it is actually found in the, the, the 
eyes of Jesus, which are like flames of fire, which penetrate below the surface of your life. Like you need to know Jesus sees into your heart and he wants your heart. He will not, he won't settle for you just completing religious tasks. No, he wants connection with you. And so maybe this Christmas, maybe some of you, you're going to step into a real relationship with Jesus for the first time, and you're going to find meaning for the first time ever. I need you to understand. Jesus is more satisfying than anything. The second thing that we see from this text is this. Jesus is more glorious than anything. Do you remember how John responded when he saw Jesus? I love this. Verse 17, it says, When I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead. Isn't that amazing? He sees Jesus. He collapses on the ground thinking that he has just died. The interesting thing is, is if you were to go and read this book, you would see that multiple people had the same response. So apparently, whenever you behold the glory of God, your body knows exactly what to do. Your knees just instinctively buckle and you hit the ground. It's like your body knows, when I see God, I get low. That's what we've been wired to do. We've been wired to worship God. I just want you to think about this. If, if Jesus were to walk into your house right now in all of his glory, you do realize, don't you, that you wouldn't just stay seated on your couch with your arms crossed like, oh, so that's what Jesus looks like. Now, if Jesus were to walk into your house right now, you understand that your knees would know what to do and they would instinctively buckle and hit the ground because you've been made for Jesus. You've been made to see his glory and worship him. And your soul will be most satisfied when you see his glory and respond in worship. You have been made to worship. If you don't believe me, just, just watch your kids. I mean, I look at my kids and all throughout their lives, They've consistently given themselves over, do one thing at a time. All of their affections go to one thing at a time. So it started out early in life with the movie Cars. They were in love with Lightning McQueen and, and the movie Cars. And so uh, we watched that movie more times than I can count. We, we have all of these cars, you know, that my house was littered all over the floor. I'd have to walk all around and step on them and not cuss. And, but then... Cars kind of lost its luster. My kids moved on to Monsters, Inc. And so we have a model of the scare floor. But then Monsters, Inc. was out and it became Star Wars. So we got a bunch of lightsabers. But then Star Wars was kind of out for my kids and it became Jurassic World. So we have a bunch of T-Rexes and Velociraptors. But then Jurassic World was out and it became Harry Potter. And don't email me telling me that Harry Potter's the Antichrist. We already know he's the Antichrist. I don't need you to tell me that. But it was Harry Potter for a while. For my kids and now they've moved on to other things do you know what my toy closet is it's just a graveyard for failed gods because see the problem with each one of those things is over time its glory would fade in the eyes of my kids 
and they would move on to something else. See, my kids' hearts are longing for the only truly one, the one and only one who can truly captivate their hearts with his glory, and that's Jesus Christ. And you can listen to that and be like, you know what, that's just what kids do, and it is what kids do. But you know what, adults do it too. Like, we don't realize that, but our hearts are longing to behold the glory of Jesus Christ. But what we're doing is we're searching for something to worship. And our tendency is to take God's gifts and turn them into God's. And so we worship work. We worship money. We, we worship significance. We worship social media. We worship sex. We take God's gifts and turn them into God's. But the interesting thing is, no matter what we worship, if it's not Jesus, have you ever wondered why you just need a little bit more? Like just a little bit more success at work, just a little bit more money, just a little bit more of this, a little bit more of that? It's because glory fades and your heart has been made to worship Jesus. My prayer this Christmas season is that you'd begin to see that Jesus is more glorious than anything. Would you see him more clearly? Would you see him as the one that your heart is truly longing for? The third thing this passage shows us is simply that Jesus is more necessary than anything. Did you see what Jesus said? Verse 17 says, Fear not, I am the first and the last and the living one. I died, and behold, I am alive forevermore, and I have the keys of death and Hades. This is so important. I hope that you don't miss it. He said, I died and I'm alive forevermore. That's so important because Jesus is saying, I died and I did something when I died. I actually died to save you. Like when he went to the cross, he was dying for a purpose. He was dying so that you and me, when we die, we could actually live with him for all of eternity. And that's why he goes on and says, and I hold the keys to death in Hades. What this means is that Jesus holds the keys to your eternity. And Jesus isn't sitting there with his arms crossed holding the keys to eternity, just saying, ah, impress me. No, Jesus wants all to be saved. He wants all to spend eternity with him. But it comes only through faith in him. That's why Jesus says in John 14.6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. When we say that Jesus is more necessary than anything, what we are saying is that if you want to experience eternal life with God in heaven when you die, you have to have Jesus. And we're not just talking about knowing about him. We're talking about knowing him as your Lord and as your Savior. But did you see what else Jesus said? Right at the beginning Right there in verse 17, at the beginning of his statement, he says, I'm the first and the last. You know what Jesus is saying? He's saying, I'm the first. I was there in the beginning. Like when all of the universe was being made, Jesus was there. And he says, I'm the last. If you look at the end of Revelation, what do we see? We see Jesus making all things new. Jesus is saying, I was there in the beginning. I'll be there in the end. I've been everywhere in between. His point is is I am the point. That's what Jesus is saying. He's saying all of history has actually been 
about me. All of creation is meant to point to and know me. Colossians 1.16 says, All things have been created through him and for him. The reason I tell you this is because what we're really getting at right now is the point and purpose of your life. Like, I just want to make sure you know why you exist. If you ever question that, here it is. You exist to know Jesus and make him known. That's why you exist. That's actually the point and purpose of your life. It's to know Jesus and make him known. If you miss that in your life, you will miss it in life. Don't miss what I'm telling you right now. To make Jesus a part of your life, but not the point of your life, is to waste your life. It's like this. When, when I officiated my first wedding, I officiated the wedding of my good friend John and his now wife Sarah. And they got married two months before I proposed to my wife Catherine. Now I just want you to imagine. Imagine we have the wedding ceremony and then we all go to the reception. We're having an incredible time celebrating John and Sarah's marriage. Well, what if right in the middle of the reception, I went over to the band and I grabbed the microphone and I said, Hey everybody, is everyone having a good time celebrating John and Sarah's marriage? Yeah, me too. Okay, great. Now, Catherine, that's my wife's name, if you'll come out to the dance floor. What if right there in the middle of John and Sarah's reception, I got down on one knee and I said, Catherine, will you marry me? Yes. Okay, folks, we had a great time celebrating John and Sarah's marriage. We're going to spend the rest of the night celebrating the fact that a girl like Catherine would say yes to a guy like me. What do you think would happen in that moment? Sarah would go all bridezilla over me. Why? Because I'm not the point of that reception. But this is what we sometimes do with Jesus. We're, we're going through life saying, you know what, let's, let's give a hand to Jesus for dying on the cross and rising from the dead so that we can all go to heaven when we die. For those who have put their faith in Jesus, you can go to heaven and be with Jesus. But now, my life is about me. We're gonna, I'm going to spend the rest of my life being all about my dreams the rest of my life, it's about what I want to do. It's about my happiness. It's about my pleasure. It's about, it's about what I want. See, to make Jesus a part of your life, but not the point of your life, is to waste your life. If you're going to fulfill the point and purpose for which you've been created, you need to know Jesus is more necessary than anything. Because without him, you'll miss it. You know what the interesting thing is? I'll end just by taking you back to the Department of Public Safety. That day I walked out of the DPS and I went for years without wearing my glasses. Isn't that interesting? Like I sat there and I looked into a machine and I was reminded of the fact that because of my right eye, there's so much of life that I'm missing when it comes to what I see. And I walked out and I continued to drive with no glasses. I continued to operate with no glasses. Why? Because I knew that there was more to see, but I was okay without it. May that never be true of us with Jesus. May that never be true of us with Jesus. Jesus is always more than we know him to be. There's more to see. There is more to See, Jesus is more satisfying than anything. Jesus Christ is 
always more. If Jesus Christ is always more, if he is more satisfying than anything, if he is more glorious than anything, if he is more necessary than anything, then may we long to see and may the desires of our heart be to know Jesus more and love Jesus more than anything. Let's pray together. Well, Lord Jesus, I thank you that you are in fact more. And I pray for my friends watching today, if there's anyone who does not know you in a personal way, I pray that today they would realize that you are necessary for salvation. And if that's you, even now, you can just call out to Jesus and say, Jesus, would you come into my life this morning? Would you become my Savior and my Lord? Would you forgive me of my sins today? Just tell him, say, Jesus, I want a real relationship with you. And if you know Jesus, would you just, would you just tell him, Jesus, I want more of you. Give me eyes to see you more clearly. Jesus, we want to believe today you're more satisfying than anything. We want to believe today you are more glorious than anything. And Jesus, we believe you are more necessary than anything. Do a good work in our lives this morning. In Jesus' name, amen.